Welcome to another episode of Pipeline Foods Into the Weeds podcast. I'm your host, Anders Gerda. We've got a good series of conversations here, so let's get right into it. It's spring, and like most springs, the rush is on. In some states, crops are already mostly in the ground, while preparations are underway to get rolling further north. This spring is also different than any we've ever experienced. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and COVID-19 has affected our lives in ways that we may only be beginning to understand. In this time of isolation and busyness, we wanted to do our part to support connection. So let's take a road trip to hear about how the season is shaping up for farmers around the country and to take the temperature, if you will, of how farm families and the communities they live in are reacting to COVID-19. This episode is one of seven in which we check in with growers from Missouri on up to Canada. So hop in, buckle up, and let's hit the road for this special spring 2020 series of Into the Weeds podcasts, Road Trip Edition. Sandy Seberg is a man on the move. He's an organic farmer, a member of Crop Cooperative, otherwise known as Organic Valley, who he grows feed for, president and co-owner of Purple Cow Organics, an organic fertilizer company, and if that wasn't enough, he also runs a school bus company in his hometown, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. He won't tell you he's busy, though. Life is full and interesting, as he says. Today we get an update on spring in southeastern Wisconsin, talk about COVID-19, and hear what Sandy's excited about this season, corn and 60-inch rows. Let's hop out and visit with Sandy, keeping six feet of distance, of course. Hey, Sandy, this is Anders from Pipeline Foods. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for calling, Anders. Good, good. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, so what we're doing here is we're just calling around to different growers in different regions to get a little update on spring planning or planting, and also to talk a little bit about the coronavirus, COVID-19, as, as everyone's talking about it, and it's affecting some people more than others, but just wanted to kind of take the temperature, if you will, uh, around different regions and, and report back to, to the listeners. So um, so how's your spring going? Maybe let's think about the, the farm first. How are things on your farm and how's preparations going? Yeah, actually, um, you know, we've had, especially after the last two really wet springs, um, you know, we've, we've had a very good drying spring. Probably, I haven't looked up the records, but probably the earliest planting of oats ever in my life. Um, mm. You know, so, I'm, you know, we're, we're feeling pretty, pretty good that we were able to take advantage of, you know, the best way to social distance is probably in the cab of a tractor. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we were able to get out and, uh, uh, you know, get some, some field work done that we weren't able to do in the fall because of late and wet harvest conditions. Um, you know, we have some early spring crops, uh, you know, oats for seed, peas for seed that, um, you know, or do well, you know, with, with early planting. So it's nice to have some of those things sort of checked off. Um, you know, it's, okay. it's normal that we're going to get some cold or some wet and maybe even some equipment breakdowns, the normal spring interruptions, but, mm-hmm. uh, way better than the last couple of years, you know, with, uh, just sitting in the shop or the office, looking out the window and, and watching it rain and, <laughs> and things be just sort of continually delayed. So, right. um, it's sort of upbeat actually, you know, from, from, from that standpoint of, uh, good weather, you know, good, good field conditions. Um, 
you know, to get out and get something done in a timely or even, even, you know, ahead of schedule manner. Oh, that's great. So oats, oats in, and I know that you're a ways out from corn and beans and just so folks can kind of understand your growing region in Southeastern Wisconsin, when do you normally get in the field to, to plant those field crops? You know, probably, you know, middle to end of May, um, some years, the last couple of years, you know, we were first week of June on, on corn, mm-hmm. um, you know, shorter, shorter day length and typically, you know, running a little bit behind, um, you know, on our organic operation, you know, we, we try and have a, a you know, a couple or a few week break between the conventional neighbors and, and our planting anyhow, you know, partly mm-hmm. just due to soil temperatures and requirements of planting that crop organically, but, but also just some separation, some isolation. So, um, so yeah, we won't, we won't be, you know, looking to get in the field with, um, you know, corn, sunflowers and dry beans. So I'll probably be in that, you know, third week of May to first week of June range, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on the weather and how the spring pans out. Okay. Got it. And so you got, uh, you know, a month plus until you're going to be getting in and doing those are crops. I know that you plant a lot of other crops other than that as well. You do seed and things. Um, but it seems like now is still the time where there's some plan hatching and uh, thinking through the strategy of the season going on. Um, what, what are you excited about this year? Are you doing anything different? Do you have any new tools or techniques or, or things that you're trying that you're feeling excited about? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've worked a couple of years on 60-inch corn, um, you know, and uh, that's been looking promising, you know, so looking forward to another year, you know, of experience with that. You know, we've, we did upgrade some planters and, and uh, you know, built a 60-inch strip-till machine um, oh, nice. and, uh, you know, a 60-inch strip freshener, uh, you know, from an old rotivator, so you know, those tools will be in full swing this year on the 60 inch corn. And, uh, so yeah, and that, and actually we've backed off on a lot of corn acres just with demand, um, you know, being what it is normally, normally we'd be looking to ship, you know, our last loads of corn out of our bins this time of year. Um, and, and I just shipped my first load two weeks ago. There's increased demand in sun, there's increased demand in sunflowers. There's increased demand in buckwheat. So we were able to you know, we made some last-minute changes in the first quarter of the, of the year to change some crop acres around. So that'll be it'll be fun to be growing more acres of those those alternate crops, nice. the corn as well. So 60-inch rows, that's something that a lot of folks are talking more and more about. Can you just give us the quick rundown of what the inspiration was and, and kind of how you've, what the troubleshooting has looked like and what kind of successes or challenges you've had after the first year? Yeah, I mean, the initial inspiration was actually picking up a copy at a like an antique store or wherever. I can't remember exactly where I picked it up, but it was a 1966 copy of Progressive Farmer where they were strip tilling. Oh, nice. They were they were they were they they had a rotavator was set up, you know, to to strip into sod and plant soybeans, you know, and having been around some vegetable farms that are working with living aisles, um, you know, Bob Recker's work over in Iowa trying mm-hmm. to, to figure out ways to get more light, right? Solar corridor work as far as uh, cover crops in both conventional and organic systems, you know, and just keeping that, that soil protected. So, you know, we went the route of instead of tilling everything and then planting the corn and planting the cover in between, we, we uh, plant rye, um, you know, uh, uh, frost seed that, you know, with a, with a multi-species clover mix, mm. um, harvest the rye, and then strip till that in the fall, 
uh, and then freshen those strips in the spring, leaving leaving the the living aisle, the, the 50 inches of of cover already existing there uh, in between. Um, you know, optically guided cultivators, modified rotivators, um, you know, and having an ability to have that that uh, winter cereal grain in the rotation, you know, seems beneficial. Um, plus in an organic system, I can, at least according to my certifier, I can move over 30 inches and do corn uh, second year on the second half of the field that's uh-huh. not there. So typ- typically in my, you know, six year rotation, I have one corn phase. I can, I can um, move my rotation up to a seven year rotation with two, two corn phases. Okay, so there's, when there was corn demand, which currently that is in question, but, um, you know, based on corn demand, I can, you know, I'm not growing corn on corn. I'm literally just like moving over, you know, and using the other half of the field. Two fields um, in one. Yeah. Yeah. Yields have been comparable. Um, and, uh, with reduced cultivation passes and, um, I think even, you know, some information has given us some end credits from that clover, um, and, the uh, the synergies between the clover and the corn during the growing season that we may be able to actually, you know, reduce inputs a little bit in the system as well. So the one worry that I hear from most folks that are thinking about planting anywhere near green, right. Or having living cover, continuous living cover underneath or in between uh, crops is just competition. And so is there, when you have the, the strip freshener, that makes sense. You're giving yourself a little bit of a buffer around that, that actual, the seed furrow and, uh, giving that root some space, but do you have to, or do you worry about controlling the, the living green cover in between at all? Or has that ever come too close to actually threaten the viability or the health of the cash crop? No, no. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think going into that clover, you know, that living cover in the fall, um, but the strip till unit really, um, you know, sets that clover back in that mm-hmm. strip. It also allows us to put some fertility down six or eight inches, uh, you know, and eliminate a side dress pass the following year. You do that real late in the season. And then freshening it in the spring really leaves a pretty, um, a pretty clean uh, strip that we're planting into. Nice. Um, and then we've, you know, we've typically, you know, just depending on the year, we've just gone in there with a battling mower and scalped that clover, you know, as close to the ground as we can before planting the corn mm-hmm. so that the corn has a, a chance to stretch ahead of any, any, uh, any shading or any of that sort of stuff. And, you know, really when you think about, you know, a 12 inch strip corn, clover, you know, when we talk about closing canopy, uh, from a weed, mm-hmm. uh, control standpoint and, uh, uh, moisture retention, those sorts of things. Um, you know, as soon as that clover stretches up and the corn is, you know, V4, V6, weed control is, is pretty optimal from that right. standpoint. Uh, good, good to hear another take on it. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about the talk of the town, which is coronavirus. And so it, it strikes me that you, as someone who is an organic farmer, as well as running uh, fertility uh, a compost company, Purple Cow Organics, as well as uh, school bus company, that you you are probably affected in different ways depending on kind of which which part of your your life we're talking about. So I'm wondering if if you'd be up for just kind of uh, letting us know how it is affecting you, if at all. 
Yeah, I mean, the school bus operation, um, schools are closed in right. Wisconsin. Right. Um, you know, so that, that operation is is uh, idled uh, currently. You know, as I said earlier, farm is, you know, doing well. You know, I mean, uh, you know, the, we, we've, uh, our, you know, Albert Lee Seedhouse, who um, you not only grow seed for, but uh, source uh, our seed from, mm-hmm. you know, has been able to get deliveries out and those sorts of things. So all our seed is in stock and ready to go. Other fertilizer inputs, you know, are, are uh, either on hand or, or in, in stage to be delivered. Um, so, yeah, the, from that standpoint, other than maybe some changes in, in crop plans, last-minute changes in crop plans and some trepidation about, you know, what that means for markets and things, you know, come fall harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, I guess I have those always a little bit anyhow, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. as a farmer, mm-hmm. you're putting the seed in the ground with the hopes that, you know, you get the harvest and then you can sell what you harvested. So, um, you know, just because of coronavirus, that doesn't seem to me to be considerably, you know, amplified. And then on the, on the organic, you know, input business on the purple cow side, you know, we've been with increase in organic acres and, and those sorts of things, you know, we've seen some growth in that business and some increases in sales year over year for the past several years. So it's really mm-hmm. hard to, to look at, um, I mean, it's a little more difficult, you know, social distancing, transportation, trucking, you know, deliveries, those sorts of things. But, um, you know, great team there, you know, figuring out how to, how to work through all that, doing a lot of things virtually and digitally from the standpoint of not having paperwork and, you know, handoff and customer contact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, you know, sales, very, very fortunately, sales are, are strong, I think, primarily because of the growth of the organic industry, you know, for our year over year. So we're still we're still holding our own there as well. And yeah, that's uh, great to hear. I also see, have seen that yeah. there's a little bit of a home gardening boom. And I know that Purple Cow is both farm scale and, and garden scale. And there, there's been a run on pullets and chicks because everyone is wanting to, to grow their own laying hens or meat hens. And uh, a lot of people are, are buying up victory garden supplies. So I'm wondering if that might, yep. have you seen that as well? Um, yeah, we, <clears throat> we have. And I think that we'll see how that, pans out from the standpoint of reorders. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, industry-wide, uh, you know, at the independent garden center level, um, you know, and even I was on a call uh, with the founder of Johnny Seed the other day and some other things, you know, and there's, you know, there's seed companies are, you know, uh, garden packet, you know, home home garden seed companies are, mm-hmm. are running very low on inventory. So I think that, you know, certainly from the standpoint of people, um you know, growing their own garden, reconnecting, you know, with the land and, uh, and, you know, nothing better than, um, you know, nutritious, you know, you know, freshly picked produce. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, if there's a, there's a bright spot in the COVID-19 story, um, you know, the fact that people are, um, going back to gardening or increasing the size of their gardens or both, um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for breaking that down. And, uh, thoughts are with you as, as, you know, at least one of your companies is shuttered for now, but, but as always, I think you have a lot of hope and resilience, resilience from diversity as well as just, uh, personal resilience. Uh, so we're on a little bit of a virtual road trip here, right? So we're going to be going to be moving on to another farm in just a little bit, but I know that you at, at, at one point, uh, had a trucking company and so you've spent a lot of time on the road and you still spend a lot of time on the road. I'm wondering if you could give us 
a recommendation. What do you what do you listen to? What's your what's one of your favorite road trip songs? What song do you put on right when you get in the truck? If you listen to music. Oh, music? Yeah, I listen to podcasts a lot. Your podcast, I, I've listened to all those episodes. Uh, you know, I think that, it, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of like the old days. You know, when I was busy trucking in the 70s and 80s, it was, you know, books on tape. Or, um, and they were the old clunky 8-track tapes <laughs> besides. But, um, you know, being able to just turn, tune your phone to podcasts that you subscribe to and uh, listen and learn and contemplate uh, as you're going down the road. Um, you know, I find that to be, uh, either silence or that is my mm. go-to choices as far as my road time goes. That yeah, makes sense. What's a favorite podcast recently? Mike Klein, uh, has a nice podcast from our organic Valley back to the roots. I think they call it, mm. um, you know, your pipeline podcast is great. I think that, uh, you know, listening to, you know, conditions and markets and, uh, challenges of other farmers and, uh, you know, uh, people transitioning um, to mm-hmm. organic and those sorts of things is is good to reflect on. Um, I, I know that John Kemp has had some good uh, podcasts. Yeah. Um, you know, I think John is. You know, I was I was at one of John's first presentations with Jerry Bernetti. Um, man, it's got to be a long time ago. Um, you know, he was a teenager still. Um, <laughs> but I think that John uh, is for me personally as an individual that sort of challenges my understandings of plant soil relationships and nutrient demands and things. So I like listening to John. Yeah. So that's the regenerative um, agriculture because, podcast. We can yeah, put a, a list in the show yeah, notes because, about that as well. Yeah. Because it, it just makes me think. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good one. Um, and then Mike Rowe has a great podcast. It's like, you know, they're short. They're, they're almost like Paul Harvey type, the rest of the story podcast and that. I can't remember uh, the name of that one, but is, that, but, is he the, know, the dirty, are, dirty work or dirty jobs? Yeah. Dirty jobs guy, but he's got his own podcast. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Sorry. The way, um, the way I heard it with Mike Rowe. The, the way I heard it. Yep. The way I heard it. Yeah. And, uh, and it, and it, you know, they've always got a nice twist. They're humorous. You know, when you're, when you can't listen to an hour long podcast because your next next farm visit is 15, 20 minutes away, it's mm-hmm. kind of fun to listen to that if I still feel like I got to be listening to something. Uh, that's great. Those are good recommendations for folks who are either at home or are in uh, cabs of trucks picking picking inputs up or running the trailer around or actually in the shop or, or getting in the tractor. So thanks for those recommendations. All right. So I don't want to take too much more of your time. I appreciate being able to, to check in and uh, it's always good to connect with you. And uh, I wish you a happy and productive spring. Yeah. So where are you, where are you headed next on your, uh, what part of the country or North America are you headed next on your virtual farm visit? Good question. Tour. I, th- I think next is going to be South Dakota with BJ McNeil going a little bit a little bit north in terms of latitude nice. and then we end up in up in southern saskatchewan which is even even further out but more small grains country so they're 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 getting after it spring wheat great well i'll be anxious to hear what those folks have to say as well thanks for calling yeah you got it you can find pipeline foods podcast on soundcloud itunes spotify our website or wherever you get your podcasts Support for this podcast provided by, you guessed it, Pipeline Foods. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast, get in touch. We'd love to share your story with our listeners.